Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. Today, we're joined by Mirazal Leva, a trans activist, aspiring chef, model, and author. Mirazal was adopted and raised in the Bronx. Growing up in a Cuban family, she didn't know what transgender was, especially in the Latin community, a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl. But ever since she was little, she felt like she was born in the wrong body. At 17, she told her older sister that she was transgender. She didn't want to go through all the bullying, so she dropped out of high school in her junior year. Two months later, she began to dress as Marisol, 24-7. Today, she's pursuing her dreams as a transgender Latina model, cook, and activist. She recently co-authored the book, My Sister, How One Sibling's Transition Changed Both of Us, with her sister, Salinas Leva. Salinas stars as Gloria Mendoza on Netflix's hit series, Orange is the New Black. The two sisters were awarded Stonewall Community Foundation's 2016 Vision Award for inspiring visibility, advocacy, and outspoken support for the transgender community. Marisol, welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you today? Uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah, I love you. I, I, you know, I love looking at you. There's a joy that comes through. And part of the reason why I asked you to be on the show is because, you know, November is Transgender Day of, is Awareness Month. And um, we're going we're gonna to talk about some of the people who have passed. But I also think, you know, it's important when we say to especially our kids, you know, it gets better, mm-hmm. is to show them examples of people who have walked that path and for whom it's gotten better. And mm-hmm. you are you are that. You're an activist, you're you're a chef, you're a model. Um and that's why I am so honored that you said yes and to have you with me today. Most definitely I, I'm glad that you reached out and asked me to be a part of this because I think the more the more trans people become vocal and have a voice, the more understanding it puts to people that aren't really aware of trans people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I'll I, tell you. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I'll tell you that, you know, and we're going to talk about, there's a lot of things that, that I noticed about you that, that I did. First of all, 
you're the little sister, <laughs> and I'm the little yeah. sister. I mean, and, and so I can relate to that. And But you were also adopted. And often, you know, people, they adopt because they're having problems conceiving or whatever. But you weren't the first child. You were adopted into a family. And particularly yeah. when we have attacks now, um, people who are saying that, you know, LGBTQ people shouldn't adopt, you know, how important being, was it to you to be adopted into a family, knowing that you were adopted, that, and that this was, like, they chose you? Mm-hmm. How did that feel like for me? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, most importantly, like, looking at it back, looking at it as an adult right now, um, super thankful, super um, fortunate to have had a family that took me in and, and made me their own. Um, and with my experience with my gender identity and trying to find myself and going through these different um, journeys in my life, I've come to the conclusion that, you know, a lot of my trans brothers and sisters and, and people from the LGBT community often don't have families. Mm-hmm. And um, being that I come from a family that has been very accepting um, and, and took me in as their own, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have that. But then at the same time, that's not everyone's story. It's not every, everyone's journey. And a lot of us don't have the family supports in our lives. So I, I'm super thankful, and I would never, like, um, take that in vain. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of my brothers and sisters from the LGBT community that don't have that. And at one point I knew what it felt like to not have family. You know, um, my journey with my family has been a journey it's on, a journey on its own and um, a learning experience at the same time and a transition for them as well because um, a lot of the time people don't realize, okay, the person in the family, whether it may be the brother or the sister, is transitioning, but at the same time it's also the family that transitioned. So, um, you know, I just want people to know that family is very important and you guys mm-hmm. can can overcome whatever um, obstacles that are being thrown into your family and you guys can get through it. It's just about knowing um, the, edu- educa- the educational aspect around it and just wanting to learn. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you also are a member of not only the Latino community, but the Afro-Cuban community. I mean, which it also is like there's a, you know, you hear people who say like, okay, we'll look at you and there's in the Afro-Cuban community or the Latino community, there's a thing about colorism where they mm-hmm. say about those who have are browner, you know, like, okay, mm-hmm. well, this is not the same or but there's a difference between members of the Latino community who are on the fairer side than the browner side. You know, you are here a, I mean, really, you're a beautiful brown-skinned woman. But did you ever have to deal with that? Well, On top of um, else? <laughs> I, I can remember growing up, like, you know, and this is something that's very common for a lot of um, Afro-Latinos, 
um, getting that type of backlash from the African community where they're like, oh, well, you're not black enough because you're Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, and the reality is that it all comes down to this. We're all black. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to you not being educated, when it comes to certain things like this and, and, and colorism and knowing where you come from, your roots, um, people like people say ignorant things. So, mm-hmm. you know, to the listeners that are watching right now, I, I really um, express that you you get out there and, and do the educational work when it's, it's out there, you know, and, and educate yourself before sounding very ignorant to something you have no idea about. And I just remember growing up feeling like, well, I am Latin and um, I am the color of your skin as well, so what, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or feeling like as well, like people think I'm not Spanish and I'm African-American, you know, which I am, but there's, there's different layers and um, levels to when it comes to color and, and your roots and knowing the difference. You know, it's sort of like you had a lot to de- to deal with. I mean, to coming through, and you know mm-hmm. what I hear, and then everything that I I've read that you've written is like all of these things made you stronger, knowing your roots. Yeah. Is that how you know? So when you started to go on the journey to your transition, did you feel strong as as a person, knowing who you were? being a part of that family, being a part of the Latino community, being a part of the Bronx community? Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember when I initially took the decision to make my decision on transitioning. That was, like, the best day of my life. Um, there was something mm-hmm. about it that made me feel so empowered, um, so fearless, um, and, and a warrior and ready to just take over, you know, just take, go against a world where a society does not accept people like myself. Mm-hmm. So none of that made me feel um, less than or you shouldn't do this because of the backlash. Like, I prepared myself for that day. And mm-hmm. when I say I prepared myself for that day was all the years that I got bullied from from being in elementary school and, and being talked down to and, and because I'm different, that that is what prepared me to make my decision because I no longer felt like I'm not going to continue living like this and being bullied. I'm going to live my truth. And if you don't like it, then that's your problem. I realize when people reflect their insecurities on you, it's because they have an issue with themselves. So I got to the point where, like, I can no longer make this my issue. I need to live for me and live in my truth and be happy for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you spent some time at the Alley Forney Center. It's an LGBTQ youth homeless center. Here in Detroit, yes. we have the Ruth Ellis Center. And oh, although, yeah, you know, and although both are labeled like the LGBT youth homeless center, you know, which mm-hmm. kind of sort of has a stigma. It's a like, oh, you know, people go like, oh, these, these poor youth, they're homeless. But, you know, from the kids I've met at Ruth, and worked with at Ruth Ellis and listening to you, there's a strength. And at these centers, often, like you said, that's where everything becomes clear, where you see that there's people like mm-hmm. you and you learn mm-hmm. how to walk this life. Do you think that, I mean, is that like a stigma, but is there a better way 
But if you had your way of talking about what you get out of these centers, going to that, mm-hmm. that if there's a kid out there who's going like, oh, I don't want to go there, people say I'm a homeless youth, what is the better way of talking about it? Right, right. I think, again, going back to the, the you know, this, what people not knowing or what they were aware of or being educated onto the lives of a lot of these people that go into the shelter system, um, you know, it's, I think what people need to start having is a little bit more compassion and putting yourself in other people's shoes and not just yours. Because when you don't do that, you begin to say, you begin to have stigma like these, right? And, Uh And make an exception of what you think something is about, and really that's not the reality. A lot of the, the people that go into the LGBT community shelters are people that have been disowned by families. And and when I went into the shelter at Ali Fournay, shout out to Ali Fournay, you know, that was the best decision I ever made for myself, and, and it helped me a lot tremendously. But a lot of the kids that go into these spaces, don't have family. They are disowned by their families because of their sexual orientation or their gender identity. And I want people to know to not have this stigma of, well, you know, people are going to think less of me because I'm going to the shelter or, you know, these kinds of stigmas. This is going to be the best choice and decision that you could make for your life because these places have the resources that you need to to be able to um, thrive in a city like New York City and, and any anywhere else where they might be providing a shelter for you. Um, so it's about taking advantage of those resources that are out there because we do have people in our corner that are willing to help you out. And sometimes when you are not living your truth or you're scared to live in your truth, you feel like there's no fun in your corner. Mm-hmm. You so, know, I mean... One of the one of the uh-huh. great things that I always tell people about being in the LGBTQ community is like we can have chosen families, and yeah. it's wonderful when you can work it out with your biological family. Mm-hmm. But that chosen family, I mean, you know, sometimes that's the difference between life and death. Yes, most definitely, mm-hmm. most definitely, and the the beautiful thing about you know, having a chosen family. For those that don't know what a chosen family is, a, a great um, example of that is, you know, watching the show Pose, which is an amazing mm-hmm. show that really goes um, back into family and creating your own families and, and having support by LGBT members that are there for you and that play a mother role, that play a father role, sister, brother role. And, um you know, so for the people that aren't really aware, definitely go get out there and, and watch the show. It's very informative, and you will learn a lot of stuff of the community and how a lot of us get by. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talked, uh, you know, earlier about how you were um, part of the Afro-Cuban community. You're also a Latina. Now, Pose has lifted up a number of Latina transgender actresses. Do you think mm-hmm. that that's really important for people in the community to see? I mean, to me, it's long overdue, you know. Oh, yes. I, I, I think rep- representation alone is important, um, especially when it comes to transgender actors, because at the end of the day, the only ones that can really give the narrative of our stories is ourselves. 
and I, I'm I'm happy that there's there's being changed and there there become there's more transgender actors by the day passes. So it, it's really exciting to see the inclusion and the diversity into Hollywood. Are you able? Do you think that that because not only of Pose, but because like we have more people who are we have more trans activists who are out there and talking about it. But do you find that that has opened new platforms for you as an activist? Um, I think that because of the movement that we have going on right now, I think a lot of transgender people are becoming more comfortable with being um, vocal with them, with their stories and, and being an activist and having a voice for the community. So I think um, a lot of the trans women that are leading in by example and the, with the amazing work they're doing is inspiring so many other trans people to do the same, like myself. Um, mm-hmm. I have a lot of influences that has got me to this um, place where I am right now as an activist. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's about um, being influenced and being inspired, and I think that's what's happening with the transgender community. Mm-hmm. Okay, Renata, so we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back here Thank on Collections by I, Michelle Brown. Okay. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. We're back here with Marisol Yeva. Is that correct? Hey, y'all. Yes, Marisol yeah. <laughs> Okay. She's an activist. And, you know, we talked about how November is Transgender Awareness Month. Yes. Yeah. Right dead in the middle of it is Transgender Day of Remembrance. And although, you yeah. know, I told you I, I want to talk about you who are here, but how many trans sisters have we lost in this country so far this year? So, so far this year, well, let's start by 2018 because I feel like a lot, of, we, we never really discussed when it comes to the numbers. Okay. Um, just alone on 2018, there were at least 26 deaths of transgender women of color. And then mm-hmm. for 2019, there at least have been seen 22 transgender women of mm-hmm. color this mm-hmm. year alone. And mm-hmm. the numbers still began to rise. Every day I'm hearing of one of my transgender sisters of color passing away to violence. And I can express how much trauma that brings to someone like myself, being that I'm a trans woman of color as well. And it's just like, it's just really crazy to me. And sometimes I, I get very 
overwhelmed and disappointed, upset, a whole bunch of different emotions because, you know, no one really talks about it. Mm-hmm. And I want to express that if you say you're an ally to the, trans, the transgender community, we need you to show up and we need you to act like you are an ally and, and bring awareness to these murders that are happening in the transgender community. Um, so it, it's, it's just, it's really sad, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about the trauma. I had talked, I think it was last year, I was talking to a friend of mine, Brianne Rivera, and she was talking about the trauma. And, you know, that's what I think that people don't, they go like, it's like um, they see this news blip, maybe, you know, because mm-hmm. it's not going to hit like the major news things. Maybe, may, most of the time it doesn't. But they right. don't they don't see that. And if they do, like some of them, they might come to the Transgender Day of Remembrance program and go like, oh, that's mm-hmm. so sad. But that daily living with, you know, I, and I was telling someone about the closest you can acquaint it is like sitting there waiting for the phone to ring and hearing another family member die. And, and, but not just yeah. every now and then, you know, once in a blue moon, but every single day wondering, am I going to see someone's name? you know, mm-hmm. who I know mm-hmm. or to hear about it. And I have friends who are out and about in the community are doing things. And, you know, it, I was talking to another friend of mine, Lillian, I said, do you some days feel like, you know, you're out there doing the work, but in some ways it's like you've got a bullseye on your back. And, and who mm-hmm. would step in and say, hey, you know, if someone saw you being, you know, Marisol being, bothered would somebody stop and say hey what's going on or protect you Mm -hmm. and most of the time you don't see that happening Mm -hmm. um out of fear for most people of course and not, not wanting to get involved in something like that but at the same time um it doesn't take that much to say something to say hey what are you doing stop what you're doing Mm -hmm. are you okay sis you know Exactly. I mean, and that's the thing that's like, you know, it's so amazing to me. And that, does it, does it also trouble you that, you know, that, like I said, you're not going to see this on the 6 o'clock news nine times out of ten. Um, and you don't hear, I mean, you're, you're starting to hear people like politicians, and, you know, well, politicians do what politicians do, and they mention it now. Although I will say I, w- I was really pleased when they had the tr- LGBTQ town hall, the trans sisters stood up and they said, you know, we're dying. Mm-hmm. But does it bother mm-hmm. you that, you know, where's the uproar? You know, where's our community, not only a black community, a LGBTQ community, how come we're not out in the streets about our sisters being murdered? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what really bothers me? Because um, at the end of the day, yes, we might we we were transgender. You have gay, bi, all, everything. You know what I'm saying? It's a little bit of mm-hmm. everything, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, what does not change is the color of our skin. Mm-hmm. So what really really frustrates me is that I've often seen a lot of the African American community cisgender men and preferably cisgender women, attacking trans people and saying, well, you got murdered because you didn't disclose who you were to that person. And let me tell you something. That is not the case. 
That mm-hmm. is not the case. Ninety-nine percent of the time, these men know that what they're dealing with. They know they're dealing with trans women. What happens is, is that when they realize, it, when they realize that they was with a trans person, I guess they just guess who they had, and they turn into violence. Mm-hmm. Or, or have, having the fear of they're going to be exposed. Mm-hmm and not wanting no one to know about that. So they get into this mindset of, well, I'm going to get rid of her. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm and saying? You know, I'm, not saying mm-hmm. I'm not saying that everyone, does not, everyone is not disclosing their gender identity because there is some girls out here that don't disclose that, but that is not the story of a lot of these stories when you hear about trans women getting murdered. That is not the case. And, you know, the thing, too, it's like a lot of these people – are, you know, this, this, you know, died in the world Christians. You know, they're just so Christian and, and they believe in that. And you want to say to them, but wait a minute. Isn't there a commandment that says thou shalt not kill? It doesn't say thou shalt not kill unless they don't disclose or unless you feel frightened. I mean, you know, so if you're going to talk to me this stuff, how can you say, how can you justify Anyone being assaulted, murdered, bullied, mm-hmm. anything, you know, mm-hmm. if, if, you're this, if you're this Christian. Right. For me personally, I don't like to bring religion into it because I mm-hmm. feel like um, it just brings, a, a, it just, it basically just divides everyone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bring, it does not bring everyone together. It divides everyone. So, People love to hide behind a religion and say, well, these are my beliefs and I can't respect you because of this. And mm. honestly, I just feel like that's just there to divide us and, and not be together as a whole. Hmm. So, you know, you're right. You're right, you know, but it still gets <laughs> Now, you know, this summer at the NAACP National Convention, they passed a resolution mm-hmm. saying that, you know, as an organization, that they were uh, they were against the transgender people being under attack and assaulted, and supported their rights. Mm-hmm. How important is that to have an organization of that stature to, at least in words, pass this resolution to say that? It's, it's very important because at the end of the day, it comes down to our lives matter. You know what I'm saying? Our lives matter mm-hmm. just as anyone else's lives matter as well. And we need the protection that we need because right now we're, 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 we're in the limelight. We're sharing our stories, and we're more of a target now than we were back then. Mm-hmm. So it's very important for us to have all of these law legislations to be passed and have the representations in, in the office and in politics. We need that representation because when shit gets to the, excuse my language, sorry. Yeah. When, when stuff begins to get real, you know, who is going to be there to protect us? Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. it's very important to have these laws be passed and have the protections that we need. Mm-hmm. It's just never known. So have you been watching the debates? Um, I have, I've watched one of the debates. I have not been watching all of the debates. I haven't really been getting 
and some politics and stuff like mm-hmm. that just because I've been so focused on our book. And so I've been kind of, like, missing out on serving events and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I still know what's kind of going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you know, we've seen the, the many things that have been rolled back, and it talks particularly about the trans community. If a presidential candidate, got a, someone got elected, and they called you and said, what can we do to support, to lift up, to protect, the trans mm-hmm. community, what would, what would you say to them? What I would say to them is basically create more jobs for transgender people, have the protection they need in workspaces where they cannot be discriminated or against, where they cannot give your job due to your appearance or your gender identity or your sexual orientation, um, and, and basically have this all over the world, not just like in certain areas in New York where, you know, in New York it's, we're protected as trans people to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But we need this worldwide for all of our trans brothers and sisters to be able to thrive and live authentic lives and to be able to have jobs and, and be at a space where they don't have to be worried about being discriminated or sexually assaulted or wh- whatever it may be. Um, how do we get there? we got to continue doing the work that we're doing, continue having a voice and showing up into these spaces and, and sharing our stories. I mean, you know, I think that that's important, it's particularly, you know, and, and its stature in the world may have changed, but what happens in the United States does make a difference. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things, too, that I talked about and that on Transgender Day of Remembrance, when they t- name uh, where we are, they name all the names from around the country mm-hmm. and the world. Most of the people are black and brown. And so, you know, if we don't stand up for it and and make that line here, how can Mm -hmm. we then, you know, expect some country that's supposed to be our ally or whatever to do the same? You know, they're going to say, well, hey, you don't protect trans people, so why should we? Exactly. Exactly. We have to start by leading by example, you know, and... um, once you start leading by examples, and then people start to see, okay, this this is a positive movement. I I want to do the same. Or you, whether you feel inspired or influenced by someone that's you know doing great work in the community, um, it just really comes down to um, just having an open heart, mm-hmm. having an open heart, and, and and try to be understanding. You know, because at the end of the day. There's different types of people in this world and different walks of life. Um. You know, you know, safety is important. And I know, like, I have friends who live in the Houston area. And, I mean, every time I hear about something, I call, like, are you being safe? Are you being okay? And I know that I was looking at one of the interviews that you had with um, your sister, and she said, like, she worries about your safety. And mm-hmm. I think she even said something about how sometimes she wishes that you wouldn't go out of the house, but you can't live like that. You what can't do live you like that. No, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, you can't. That's not really making you safe mm-hmm. if you're living, you know, you can't go out. And, you know, and, and even like my friends who, who live in cities where there's been a lot of them and they talk about it and they, how can an ally, you know, 
how can they, they help you? And so that when, you know, you go out and to say to you, you know, just stay home, you know, just, just be safe, be safe. How can they really, really help you, you know, to feel mm-hmm. safe? I think that as an ally, you, you, as an ally, basically just checking up on, on someone and, and making sure they're good. Like, is your rent paid? And like, do you need help with anything? Because uh, listen, a lot of transgender people, especially women of color, have to get into sex work and also trans men as well, just mm-hmm. to make a living. And sometimes mm-hmm. we don't have enough money or enough labor to, to get by. Mm-hmm. Where often, you know, you have to turn into sex work because there's nothing else that you have to survive off of. Mm-hmm. So as an island, just check up on, on your friends. Check up, check up on your, your brothers and sisters, you know, like, what can I do for you? Ask them, what can I do for you? Because often, as trans people, we never ask, what can mm-hmm. I do for you? Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's, it's, yeah. it's all about, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post on Facebook and Instagram, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the colors of the transgender flag and put it as, like, <laughs> that's not being an alley. Being an alley mm-hmm. is showing up, asking what can I do for you to better your situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's mm-hmm. what an alley is. And for those that say they're alleys, that's exactly what you can do. Just show up, give a call, ask what you can do for that person. And, you know, too, sometimes, like, sometimes allies need to learn how to open the door but then get out of the way because exactly you know because often you can say that thank you you have to give money but from a resource maybe a number that can change the life of someone else by calling that number and and they have everything they need for them there Mm -hmm. so it's different ways it necessarily doesn't have to be financial but there's different ways of showing up Mm -hmm. yeah so who inspires you most in the trans community that you say, you know what, you know, I have that platform now. I'm going to continue this conversation or, mm-hmm. you know, I want to be like that. Who inspires you? Well, let me just say that I don't want to pick anyone specifically <laughs> on who inspires me because uh-huh. I feel like a lot of the women, a lot of the trans women who are out here, um, doing the work that they're doing as far as activists and, and using their platforms to, to bring awareness, I think that mm-hmm. alone is very inspiring to me mm-hmm. because it lets me know as a trans woman of color that I, too, can do the same and I, too, mm-hmm. can bring that type of awareness. And there's something about that that just is very fulfilling and very inspiring and it just wants you to, it makes you want to keep going forward and, and continue mm-hmm. doing the work that you're doing. So the people that inspire me are my trans brothers and sisters because mm-hmm. they're out here doing the damn thing. And mm-hmm. um, one of my influencers, I would say one of my influences is Ashley Marie Preston. She is a transgender woman of color as well. She resides in L.A. And if you look her up, she's doing amazing work. And she's part of the committee party with Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. So she's working close with her. So you know um, she's doing great work and representing the trans community very well. Now, so that's, that's, I had to, mm-hmm. now, I had to put this in a plug in, you know, because you brought up, you know, how trans men, too, sometimes have to, to turn to sex work. But, you know, 
um, and I'm going to ask you, do you see, because I've had, like, people go, like, oh, well, all you hear about is trans women, trans women, trans women. Do you find, as, as a trans woman, that it puts you in the position of being an ally to your trans brothers to make sure that people know, you know, that they're catching it, too? Um, of course, I'm definitely an ally to my trans brothers because often they're let in um, in the back burner and not really talked about. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they experience the same um, the same experience that we experience. It's just a different, you know, a different perspective because they are men and we're women, so we have maybe mm-hmm. a different um, journey, but at the same time, same experience. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, I, 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 they often are not really talked much about. And what I would like is for a lot of more a trans men to, you know, to have more of a voice and be vocal with the work they're doing as well. I know there are a lot of um, trans men out here that are being vocal and, and great activists in the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, because I have a friend in Texas, Carter Brown, who now, I mean, you know, Carter really... I want to say it was like the year before last, he said, you know, it's time to really just like put it out there. And I mean, mm-hmm. he's yeah, testified in front of Congress. I know Kyler Brodus has testified, but you know, but uh, it is, you hear that sometimes Well, it's like, well, everybody knows about trans women, but about trans men, but I know that you stand in solidarity to them. And, you know, I, I just wanted to put that out there because I know that there will mm-hmm. be some people who thinks that? And it's not true. Well, you know, none of us are safe. If any of yeah. us aren't safe. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It really comes down to that. It doesn't matter what gender, what sexuality you are. We are uh-huh. really safe. And, and I think until we realize that is when change will begin to make, have been made. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to take our second break here, and then we're going to get back. I want to get back to just start, start talking about you and some of the things that you're doing. So we'll be right back. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. I'm back here with Marisol Yeva. And Marisol, okay, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Um, so you're, I was reading about this. Your sister debuts as an author with a, a memoir about my sister, how one sibling's transition changed both of us. And I'm going to tell you, like I said, I'm a little sister. If my sister wrote a book, she would write that about me, you know. 
So do you see yourself one day writing? Wow, well, we we your, we wrote we we wrote a book together. Let's just correct that. Yeah, real quick. <laughs> yeah, you know, because that's what I'm going. I'm going like you know, no, her sister didn't just write the book. You know, you wrote the book together. Um, mm-hmm. How does that? Who approached? We're who we're, about we're both authors here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who approached who about writing the book? Well, of course, my sister definitely approached me with um, <laughs> writing the book, being uh-huh. that she's, she has a platform and, and she's uh-huh. gotten through the door with the amazing work she's doing as an activist and also as an amazing actress known for Orange is the New Black, played by Gloria Mendoza. Um, uh-huh. my, my sister has just been using that platform to bring awareness to a lot of the things that she believes in with uh-huh. the LGBT community, um, Plant Parenthood, the Angels Foundation, um, mm-hmm. so many different amazing organizations that she's working um, really closely with. So she, one day, I remember it was like a couple of years ago, 2016, um, mm-hmm. she asked me, you know, would you be interested in writing a book about your journey and your transition and, and the family and how what we had to go through as a whole? Mm-hmm. And I... I remember it was like, wow, like, I, I, I was like kind of like baffled at the same time and like surprised mm-hmm. just because so many times when I was going through the different obstacles that I was going through, I can just remember saying to myself, this is like a book right here. Like, what's, <laughs> like, what's going mm-hmm. on? Like, there'll be moments like that. I will have a lot of those moments. Like, my life is a book. Uh-huh. So when she asked me that, I was like, oh, my God, like, the power of manifestation wow. <laughs> is what I thought about instantly. And then, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, I was hesitant. I I didn't uh-huh. give a very uh, a straightforward answer right away. It was something that I had to think about because when you think of, of a book and a, a book being about yourself and your life, it's like putting your whole entire life out there. And I thought about, is that something that I want to do? Mm-hmm. Being that I was, I was a private person before my transition and during my transition I was private and I, I kind of lived a, a self-life for a moment. I was in a relationship. So being that my life, the thought of having my life out publicly was just like, I don't know. But then mm-hmm. at the same time, a lot of other stuff were going on in our community that were really breaking my heart. You know, a lot of the murders were happening back then, especially at that year. Um, And I just felt like, okay, then this is a calling from my God. Just telling Mm. me that this is what you need to do because this is what's going on in our community and we need more people like yourself to continue to have a voice and share our stories. So I felt like, you know, this is my duty. This is my calling. Um, and I decided to say yes, and I decided to say let's do it. Let's go for it because this is going to help out so many different families that that might have a trans um, daughter or a trans son in, in their family. So not only that, but a lot of the things that we face and a lot of things that we experience, it's not often talked about, and I feel like, and whether to get to a place, we need to start sharing these stories and being honest about them. Mm-hmm. So that's where I made my decision based off and saying mm-hmm. that's to the book. Well, you know, did you find that how you both remembered, like, certain things? Because I know, like, 
you know, just going through life, there'll be some things, and, and my sister will tell the story, and I'll go, that's not how I remember it. And did you find mm-hmm. you two doing that and then sort of like working out what was the real and finding out what each of you thought? The reality might have been um, the, a little the, bit of both. Well, I will say, I will say this: the process of the book has been very, it's, it's, it's been an amazing thing and a blessing at the same time. Um, often, when we talked about different stories, we will both remember it at the, like the same way we um, just gave the description of the story. And then there will be times where we're like, "Well, I don't remember it that way, and I don't remember that way." And then the more we talked about it, it was like, "Oh no, it happened this way." Yeah, you're right. So. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's been very interesting. It's been an interesting journey, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Now, I see that you also aspire to be a chef. Where did you yes. – you, you, I mean, you must have a love for cooking. Where did that come from? I do. So the love of cooking for me came from a form of therapy. It's always have been my therapy. It's been my way of escaping, um, especially at a young age, because I started cooking at a very young age. And being that I was going through a gender identity crisis and trying to find myself and, like, constantly, like, you know, feeling feeling like I was getting to a place and then it was, like, automatically, like, my whole world just turned around and it just went rock bottom. Mm-hmm. So cooking for me has been my way of therapy to just get away from the reality of a lot of things that were happening to me and the things that I didn't understand or why is this happening, why am I like this. Um, cooking has been my outlet for that to just get away and, and, and feel happy. And, and there's something about cooking that is a process, right? Um, and when you finish your process, you're happy and, and you're, mm-hmm. you're proud of what you made. So um, I began cooking at the age of 12, probably even younger than that because both of my parents cook. And mm-hmm. I've always watched my parents cook all the time. So it's something that I um, inherit with myself. And also my brother, who's a chef as well, I also will watch him cook. So the, those are my inspirations as well with my cooking, mm-hmm. my parents and my brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started working at a business at the age of 16. Um, it was a family establishment. And we were given jobs there for the weekends, and I said I started out doing um like tables waitering, mm-hmm. and then dumb knowing that I had the love for cooking, I began doing prep work at the kitchen, and from there it became a weekend thing, and then an after school kind of thing where I would go mm-hmm. out to school, and I would work in the kitchen doing prep working, so. Mm-hmm. Right there, I knew that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, What's your favorite dish? My favorite, I, I love cooking Latin cuisine dishes. And, and, I, and what I like doing with um, Latin cuisine dishes is also, like, making it fusion. So, like, mm. adding different, adding other, like, flavors and, and other culture flavors and combining them together. There's something about that that just makes something really, really amazing. And... Um, you cannot get until you try it. That's the thing about cooking. It's about having fun with it, playing with different ingredients. Um, again, it's very therapeutic. It's very, very therapeutic. It's, you guys aren't aware of that. You guys should definitely try it to the listeners that are listening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's definitely helped me out a lot. Um, Would you like to open a restaurant one day? 
That's one of my goals. That's one of my dreams to open up a restaurant one day. Also, um, I want to headline on my own cooking show on a major network. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm really like working on that, and, and that, that's really my goal after um our book. Mhm. Now you also say that you want to model. You're beautiful, okay? And I can, I can see you. you modeling. Um. Where is that? Is that something that you'd like to, you know, I, I hear you, you know, this passion that you have with cooking, but, I mean, is modeling mm-hmm. like maybe something you just kind of like to do, or are you equally as passionate about that? I am I am equally as passionate as I am with the cooking, and I feel like with the cooking, that's where uh, the modeling will play in because you are you are in front of the camera. You, you have to learn how to move yourself, and, and so – that plays along with the cooking show and stuff like that. And and as far as the modeling, um, I consider myself an artist. Um, mm. And I have different things that I'm mostly talented in doing. I just haven't had the, the chance yet to showcase that yet. But mm-hmm. um, throughout the years, I've been, you know, giving little snips of what I like doing. And eventually, mm-hmm. um, hopefully, my goal is that somebody will discover me and will give me a chance to 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 have a cooking show or a modeling contract, whatever it may be. You know, I'm open to that. Mm-hmm. Um, modeling has always been something that I've always loved from a very young age as well. I love being in front of the camera. Um, I'm super natural in front of the camera. And, um, yeah, my dream is to, like, land really big um, beauty campaigns, modeling shows, runways, all of that. Um, <laughs> and now that I, you know, I, I love the fact that in the fashion world, everything is being so diverse. I was, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of everything now. And I remember when I first started my transition, you know, I I was skinny, so I was like that model look and what everybody would look at as a model. But now it doesn't matter. Like you could be curvy and, and, and be inclusive with doesn't matter how you look or your gender, mm-hmm. your, your shape of your body. So I love the fact that they're doing that because I put on a couple of pounds. So I felt like my my dream with modeling was over because yeah, I didn't I- look the part. But now, like you said, you know, everyone is, you know, all sizes, all shapes. I mean, and I look at you and, you know, I don't think that people look at at women that much and go like, oh, if they're not like drop dead skinny, they can't be, you know, they don't look healthy. You look healthy, you know. Mm -hmm. Like I said, you've got got great skin. I mean, I can see you doing the cooking show, coming out dressed fabulously and being on the cover of a magazine. I can see you doing all of that. Thank you, my love. I I really appreciate that. And it it warms my heart to see other people acknowledge that because sometimes I feel like, well, am I worthy enough? You know, mm-hmm. I, I I have a lot of these voices, and I'm going to be honest. Like, I, I don't want people to think that when they see me on social media, I'm, like, this perfect person or I don't have any flaws, anything like that. Like, I often, every day, have these negative voices where it makes me feel like, am I worthy? Am I am I good enough for this? Um, Being that I'm trans, like, am I good enough for that? Um, So a lot of things come into play and, like, you know, body... Um, 
this, you know, having issues with your body and, uh, you know, so it's, it's a process. It's a process. Mm-hmm. Um, just basically don't believe everything you see on social media because a lot of people <laughs> are fighting, a lot of people mm-hmm. are fighting a fight on social You know what I'm saying? A lot of people are fighting a fight that they don't mm-hmm. often speak about and they'll make it look like they're very happy, but they're really not. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think, I, I, you know, you you become yourself, you know, like you knew who you were going to be, you worked at it, you know, and I like how, mm-hmm. the one thing how you talked about where it was like the Christmas, it was a Christmas Eve, and you said, you know what, I'm coming as me, and, you know, you're just doing you and being, for once, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, so what would you say to some of the young women who are out there who are trying to, because it's like, you've got big dreams. And I know that there's some who don't feel that they have, they can have big dreams. What would you tell them? Um, I would tell them to never lose hope, never lose faith. I feel like my faith and my hope is what's been keeping me together. Mm-hmm. Um, also my potential, knowing my potential. When you know your potential and your worth and when you love yourself, you have this thing where you have faith and you have hope. Just never give up. Um, I often find myself in, in times where I feel like that. And what do I tell myself? I give me I I give me the chance to feel how I feel that very moment. Mm-hmm. So I want you to feel how you feel that very moment you're feeling, whether you might be depressed, whether you might be sad, whether you might feel hopeless and not have faith at all. Feel how you feel, but then brush yourself off. Because that's what I often do is brush myself off after I felt how I felt. Give mm-hmm. your chance to feel how you feel that very moment, but then dust yourself off and continue with that dream that you have and not give up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you two work together on the book. The book's going to be out in 2020. Have you, have you talked about what it's going to be like when people start to have that book in their hand and they start to read it. You know, I have edited other people's books. I have talked to people who have written books. And, like, sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, they go like, whoa, I didn't know that people would would think this or that people remember things that you didn't. And there's going to be comments. Have you two strategized on how you're going to deal with this once the book drops? Almost definitely. We we talk about this all the time, and we have a team behind us that is putting up an amazing book tour where we're going to um, go out and, and talk to the audiences about the book and read some passages. Um, so it, it's, it's a very exciting thing that's happening mm-hmm. right now. And I'm looking with, I'm, what I'm looking forward to is just like meeting the people that are reading our book and, and talking to the public about it because this is about education. This is about um, awareness. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh-huh. So it's a good thing. It's a really good thing for our community, and um, we're really excited about it. You know, I saw the video of the Latin Love Project where – the two of you were going back and forth, asking each other questions and talking about it. And that mm-hmm. was just like, it made me want to read it even sooner. Guys, people are Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so, that, that was an amazing project that we did with um, people in Spanish, people speakers, mm-hmm. and love projects. And, um, yeah, it was awesome because we asked each other questions. We were basically interviewing each other, and we were asking each other questions. And it, it was a really fun interview. A lot of people really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, you know, and, and I also gather that from it that you are as proud of your sister as she is of you, and there's an awful lot of love there. And, you know, yeah. that, that, that's nice. For that's sure. really great. You know? Well, well Marisol, I want to thank you for taking uh, the, the time to talk with me today. I've got my yes, book on order. Uh, I've got my book definitely on order. And um, we'll be following you. Awesome. I hope that, that you two come to Detroit. Um, like I said, we have the Resource Center here. And I'll tell you, we had, we've had a few people, like Shay Diamond was here, and she talked with the young oh, people about I know. I mean, it was like she spoke to their heart when she spoke to some of the, the kids at the Rufella Center. So I hope that, that Monday, I can see you and your sister there, or just you even. You know, I'd love to, to see For you sure. here. But we would be honored to, to, to mm-hmm. just touch every organization in the United States because, you know, we need to be heard. And the more we're heard, mm-hmm. the more power we got. And before well, we go, Mr. Yes. I'd love to um, say the names of the trans women that we lost this year alone. You know what, and um, I thank you for doing that, please. Yeah, so while I say these names, guys, let's just have a moment of silence when you listen to this and let's pay respect to our trans brothers and sisters that have lost their lives to violence. Donna Martin, 31. Jasleen War. Ashanti Common, 27. Charlie Legato, 21. Mulesia Boker, 23. Michelle Tamika Washington, 40. Paris Carmen, 20. China Lindsay, 26. Chanel Sherlock, 23. Zoe Spears, 23. Brooklyn Lindsay, 32. Delani Berry Stokey, 24. Tracy Single, 22. Baba Walker, 55, Kiki Fontori, 21, Jordan Kofer, 22, Pebbles Lazime Doe, 24, Bailey Reeves, 17, B Love Stalker, 23, Jamayo Jamar Berryman, Itali Marlow, 29, Brianna Hill, 30, Jordana Joa Medina, 25, and the latest one, Leili Polanco, 27. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, sure. Thank you. Mm, mm, mm. You know, and let us never forget their names and those spirits yeah, that were lost. Let us not, let's not ever forget her, their names and let's continue to always mention their names in respect of their passings. And and also, I would just like to say all the viewers and listeners, to, to if you're not really aware of what a trans person is, and this is the first time you hear this, just 
take the responsibility for yourself to do the educational work and, and, and look for the information. Help us out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We can help you, but help us out at the same time. Um, yep. Thank you so much, Michelle Brown, for having me on your platform and being able to talk to you today and your listeners as well for listening. And you can find me on Instagram. Um, I am underscore Marisol, which is all handled for all my social media platforms. And, again, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. And, you know, I'm going to have you over so I can have one of those great dishes that you're going to prepare. I mean, <laughs> you you keep doing what you're doing. And I thank you for doing that because, you know what, you are the reason why we can look at a young person and say, it gets better. Here's a way. You know, hey. It might not be easy, but it does get better. Keep your Mm -hmm. dreams, and thank you. Amen. Thank you so much. All right. I'll be in touch. All righty. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. I want to thank my guest, trans activist, aspiring chef, model, and author, Marisol Leva. Her book, My Sister, How One Sibling's Transition Changed Us Both, is co-authored with her sister, Selena's Leva. It will be released in 2020 and can be pre-ordered in audio, ebook, or hardcover format. Selena's Leva plays the role of Gloria Mendoza on Netflix's hit series, Orange is the New Black. Marizal and Salinas were awarded the Stonewall Community Foundation's 2016 Vision Award for inspiring visibility, advocacy, and outspoken support for the transgender community. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of a show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.